Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to the Reform Dissenters. Thank you so much for um, watching or listening to us today. The Reform Dissenters show is the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical world view. My name is Bruce Johnson. I am joined here in the wonderful state of South Dakota with my good friend Joseph Lassiter. Hello. We're also joined by my brother Jacob Johnson back in Pennsylvania. Hello. And as you can see there, if you're watching us in the frame, we are also joined by Jake's and uh, my dad, Frank Johnson. So welcome hey to the guys. show. <laughs> so this is our, uh, what, our second, second episode with second. our dad on the show. So very exciting. We've got some very exciting topics to uh, talk about. So um don't forget to go to trdshow.net. That's uh, where you can find a list of links to all of the many platforms that we are on. And uh, send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com. Don't forget, send us your topic ideas. Today is Topic Friday. What questions or differing perspectives do you have that you would like to share with us? So we are talking about a topic today. Um, but uh, before we get to that, uh, we, we have kind of a bit of a send-off a very very sad announcement but um it's uh, it's definitely kind of monumental and and a huge announcement so i will pass it over to joe to go ahead and make that announcement i have decided to leave the trd show wow that's it is very sad and um suddenly lots of viewers computers have stopped working because of the tears coming down their faces onto their keyboards which is very sad so joe it has been um quite an honor to have you on the show with us um for as long as you have i think it's been since last july how many months has that been nine nine months it's it's been quite the uh adventure so thank you so much for joining us and you will be missed severely so yeah that is uh jake anything that you would like to add uh not much but uh thank you joe for being involved with us and doing uh doing what you can for the show mm -hmm. yeah yeah thanks so much dude and send us some emails uh goodbye messages for joe i'm sure that he would love to receive those um send them to trdshow at protonmail.com that's up on the screen so i'm sure he would love some of those messages as well but uh thank you so much joe well to round things out as kind of your your last episode here with us um I'm going to pass it on over to you to actually talk about the verse of okay. the week. All righty. Um, let me pull up the other slide. <laughs> all right. So Colossians 1, 16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether, uh, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Awesome. Thank you so much, Joe. So we've talked about this verse um, a lot on uh, previous episodes this week. We talked about it a lot on Monday, a little bit more on Wednesday. But, you know, this, this actually plays really well into our conversations today, talking about interpreting Matthew 24. And specifically, we're going to be talking to um, Jake's and, and my dad, Frank Johnson, about Matthew 24. But, you know, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. I mean, this list is expansive, massive list of everything, right? When Christ said in Matthew, uh, you know, Matthew 28, that all authority has been given to him, he meant all. And this is yet another verse 
all visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, heaven and earth, right? Everything. So all things were created through him and for him. And so we've applied this on our Wednesday episode when we were talking about authority and where does authority come from? Comes from God, right? Romans 13 plays directly into that. And we have to understand that if it comes from God, we have to do it the way that God has commanded us to do it. So all of that kind of stuff. So we've talked a lot more about this verse on our Monday episode, our Wednesday episode. If you missed those, go back and, and check them out. Those are, uh, those are really good episodes to, um, to watch if you're looking for more information about this verse. <clears throat> so let me introduce our, our guest. Um, and for those of you who have watched the show in the past, he's uh, our dad has been on the show uh, in a previous episode when we were going through Always Ready by Dr. Greg Bonson. He has received uh, a bachelor's degree in, in pastoral training for four years. He trained as a, for pastoral training. Um, he owns his own HVAC business, and he has, along with our mom, has been a fundamental uh, part in helping Jacob and I develop a profoundly biblical worldview since the day we were born. Hashtag homeschool. So that is <laughs> all, I mean, quite the track record. So we're very excited to talk about Matthew uh, chapter 24. So thanks. Thanks so much for joining us today. Sure thing. Glad to be so, here. Yeah, definitely. And I, I can't wait to get into um there's a whole discussion that we want to have around this. And so many questions I have. You sent me a message um, a couple weeks back saying, hey, I'd love to be on, on the show sometime, chat about Matthew 24. And I was immediately like, oh, wow, okay, I wonder why. <laughs> so I'm very <laughs> excited to figure out where this conversation is going to go. So I figured probably the best place to start would be to read through uh, Matthew 24. And um I'm going to start with verse one and just read to verse 14, and that'll kind of give us some context for our conversation. So uh, starting Matthew 24, verse one, Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. Um, but he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be left one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming, and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to the tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So, a little bit of context there. I know that there are some other verses in Matthew 24 that uh, you'd like to address and discuss, but I want to start out by asking, um, why is Matthew 24 so important? Matthew is the key text to understanding eschatology, the end times. 
Mm. Uh, and we have uh, multiple positions on that. Oh, yes, to say the least. <laughs> uh, for the most part, the predominant belief uh, reigned in the church all the way up to the mid-1800s. Mm. And in that, at that point, it changed severely. Wow. And I would like to show you why. Yeah. Oh, I, I would love to know more about that. Absolutely. Um, before we get to that, is it is it too early for me to, uh, to ask this question? And if it is, definitely let me know. Um, what, what is the, the, the core purpose or the, or the core message that's conveyed in this passage? And I know that you do have a string of other texts that kind of build up to this. But if you could sum that up, and we might come back to this. If you could sum that up, what, what would that be? Eschatology of victory. Okay. Victorious eschatology. Wow. Not pessimistic. Hmm. That we are victorious because we have the creator of heaven and earth on mm. our side. We have the king on our side. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Well, that's very fascinating. Um, so, so you mentioned that uh, you'd like to kind of show us, uh, you know, what this builds up to and also what, what are some of the other eschatological perspectives and, and why are they now taking more dominance? Um, what, what was it that changed? Historically, um, wars. Mm. The, um, that uh, the church gave up on doctrine and uh, in the wars, particularly uh, the, uh, even though the doctrine came about mid-1800s, it really took hold during the uh, World War One and World War Two. Mm. that Christianity wow. thought they were, we believed we thought we were going to fail. Wow. We believed that there was so much evil in this world, there was no way <laughs> we could be victorious in Overcome Jesus Overcome it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. That's really interesting. Um, so if the core purpose of this message is uh, a, a victorious eschatology, right? Looking at the future and seeing victory, understanding that what we're doing right now is all building towards something that is positive and not negative. What are the implications of misinterpreting this passage? Like if we, if we get this wrong, <laughs> which a lot of people do, what does that do? What does that do to individuals, but also the church and culture as everything has a rippling effect? Mm -hmm. Escapism. Mm. That the best we have in hope is that Christ comes back and gets us out of here as quickly as possible <laughs> because we can't win. Yeah. And uh, the only hope we have is that Christ physically comes back and that he physically, through war, conquers the nations mm. because we cannot do it through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. Yeah. What he did on the cross was not enough. What he has done with his Holy Spirit and what he's given to us is, is not enough. So we need him to come back in an even more powerful than what he's already done, <laughs> which is, I think when I hear that immediately, my mind thinks, oh my goodness, they are severely limiting the power of what Christ has truly done. They don't truly understand what's been done on the cross and what that does for societies as a whole, how that changes everything and how that leads then to him saying all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. I mean, to make a statement like that is at that time, 
right? Because he's saying, now all authority has been given to me. Right. That means something monumentous has happened. Something big has just changed the dynamic. And now all authority belongs to Christ. So that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. So what are some of the other passages? You know, I, I think a lot of times when we talk about eschatology, especially in Reformed, in the Reformed faith, we understand that you can't just take the New Testament and uh, understand what's happening, you know, or interpret a passage by just looking at the New Testament. You have to understand the context that it's in. So are there any other passages that speak to this same sort of thing that, uh, that you'd like to talk about? Yes. Uh, let's jump right into it. I'm not going to explain this. I just want to read Joshua <laughs> chapter 21, okay. uh, verse 43, and then we'll talk more about it. Cool. Uh, Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. Mm. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he swore to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them. For the Lord gave all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Mm. The modern day eschatology says we're waiting for a future fulfillment of the covenantal promises that God made to Israel. They don't recognize this verse that God has fulfilled all of his promises in the Old Testament. There's nothing else from the Old Testament into the New Testament that God has promised to Israel. Mm. No, there's no scripture, and there's no scripture in the New Testament <laughs> saying that there's promises for Israel. Wow. Wow. Okay. Now let me read uh, again. Joshua is continuing this. From chapter 21 to chapter 23, he says it again, and then he broadens it. Hmm. And now I'm about to go the way of the earth. Isaac, he, uh, Joshua is dying. Hmm. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things the Lord your God promised wow. concerning you. Wow. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed, hmm. but just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things. Hmm. Yeah, Until you know this. Oh, well, I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt. The, the, you know, we we had uh, went through Raymond Simmons Confessional County in uh, January and February, and um, the whole time he was talking about blessings. And curses. And it yeah. sounds exactly like what you're, the dichotomy you're discussing here. And that's where we get that from. Mm. Uh, yep. You know, we are the continuation of Israel. We, you know, the, we've been grafted in. We are the Gentiles that have been grafted into God's covenant people. Mm. We are the continue faithful Israel. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you, if you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given to you. Mm. So we see that the Lord is telling them, I have fulfilled all my promises, 
if you disobey my covenant, yeah, I'm wiping you off the land. I'm just going to destroy you from off the land. Mm. And yeah. that brings us into the New Testament. Mm. Wow. This is really good. And, you know, one of the things, sorry, <laughs> one of the things that uh, a lot of people make the, the false dichotomy, frankly, outright lie, that uh, the God of the Old Testament is a God of, of hate and vengeance mm-hmm. and all of this. And the God of the New Testament is all about love and happy feelings and redemption and all of that, right? But that they're not the same, that there's a difference between the two. But what I see whenever I read these covenants is that God is a just God. He, he has given these people a way to avoid judgment, but it wouldn't be truly just of him to give them that and then to not follow through with the punishment. I mean, to, to, to say all of those things, to give them these blessings, to say, I will give you this if you follow me. Look at all the amazing things. I mean, even part of that verse is everything that he promised, he gave you. Everything that he has said that he would do as a blessing, he has done for you. But the people took it for granted. And he also said, but if you don't, his perfect, truly righteous judgment and justice has to be fulfilled. Okay, coming into the New Testament. Now, we're almost to chapter 24. We're going <laughs> to go to it towards the end of chapter 23. Uh, this is very important. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Mm. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. What are those weightier matters? Justice, mercy, in faithfulness, the practical application of biblical law. Mm. They got rid of God's law, which was the law of the covenant that he gave to them to obey him, to stay away from false idols. And they disobeyed, kind of like us today. Mm. Yeah. Yep. This very leadership in Israel that they should have been leading the people to God, but were in violation of God's perfect law. And the people crumbled. Mm. Now, Christ said in in verse 39 of of chapter uh, 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Oh, so the Pharisees and Sadducees are saying, Yeah, our... We killed the prophets. Our fathers killed the prophets. Wow. And that was wrong. We shouldn't have done that. We disobeyed. They're admitting mm. our fathers were wrong. Not us, though. We're not <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fill up then the measure of your fathers. What? God's going to accuse or is going to uh, bring their pu- punishment upon them for their fathers? Mm. That doesn't seem right. But what does he say? <laughs> You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you going to escape by being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel, to the blood of Zechariah, the son of 
Berechiah, hmm. whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. In verse 36, truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Mm, key phrase. Okay? <laughs> the key phrase is right. So we see here that God is, uh, this is what we call federal headship. God mm. is, is going after the generations. But it, you say, oh, well, that's not fair. Why is he punishing the sons for the fathers? Well, the mm. sons are committing the same sins as the fathers. Right. Okay, now that he's going after him, he says, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to destroy your generation. Just as promised by Joshua, I'm wiping you off the map. Mm. I'm taking you off the land. You do yeah. not get this beautiful land I gave you. Yeah. You don't get to keep it. You have sinned. So here we come to Matthew chapter 24. Now I'm going to skip ahead. You read all of that in Matthew about the destruction. Mm, but yeah. I, I want to jump to, because what happens is many Christians will say, oh, this is in the future. This is a future <laughs> generation. Right. No, you look at 30, 24, or 20, chapter 23, there's no way it's a different generation. Mm. Christ is abundantly clear what generation yeah. he's going to destroy. Yep. So we see with, uh, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. It's called the abomination of desolation. Mm. The word generation in Matthew uh, 23 and 24 is identical. Wow. He's talking about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, who crucified Jesus, who crucified Peter, who killed Paul, who killed many Christians who flogged Christians in the synagogue. Mm. The scriptures talk about you will be flogged in the synagogue. Wow. But there, I love to talk to Christians say, are you saying we're going to recreate synagogues? <laughs> right. And we're going to start, you know, then Christians are going to be flogged in the future? Mm. Oh, come on. This it has happened. Yeah. We Historically, we know this has happened. And then... The end will come. Hmm. The end of the world. The end of the world has already come. <laughs> it. No, the end of the Jewish age, hmm. the destruction of the temple. Yes. The scriptures talk a lot about the end of the age. It was the end of the ceremonial hmm. system where the Pharisees uh, went after the Christians and God destroyed them for crucifying his son. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, a, a big part of that is the the apocalyptic language that that we hear kind of all throughout scripture, right? And I think one of the one of the best cases of that is the book of Isaiah when you you read through that book and you look at the the end of the world language that's there and the um you know the the, the falling down of stars, the the moon is turned to blood, you know, all of this language uh exactly what you're discussing right now it's 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 like oh so we should be looking for the stars to fall and the the moon to be filled with blood and all of these things to happen right when is this going to happen you know sky is falling right um but the interesting thing with that is we already saw the fulfillment of much of what was written in the book of isaiah and we can see how that was fulfilled and what it was and you can actually i'm sure speak to this <laughs> was that it was a changing of world powers in a way right you, you know, we're we're bamboozled by hearing 
oh, we should be taking a literal interpretation of Scripture. Well, what does that mean? What does literal mean? It mm. means I interpret it within my own understanding of how I've been trained within the public school system. <laughs> uh, and I should not go to Scripture to compare Scripture. Literalism is I take it for what the word means within my culture. Mm. That is terrible. Yeah. There's nothing worse than interpreting the scriptures according to your culture. You're most definitely going to get it wrong. Yeah. You need to interpret scripture with scripture. When God says the stars will fall, has he ever said that before? <laughs> yes, in the Old Testament. Yeah. And he talked and that's about destruction. If we took it literally, in literally a star, which is a sun, fell to earth. If the sun fell to the earth, what would happen? <laughs> no more earth. <laughs> would you exist? Would I exist? Why is there life? You know, I'll give yeah. you. I'll give you a little illustration. I I was uh, in college, and it was uh, it was a college that believed that way. And I took the class. I wanted. Hey, what do you believe about this? It, you know, I, I was I was starting to doubt already, even in college, and we got to the text about the stars falling to the ground. I'm like, <laughs> oh, the end of life. I'm going to take it literally when stars fall to the ground, uh, the end of life. It's like, wait, we got, what, 10, 15 more chapters in Book of Revelation? What's going to happen <laughs> when we're all dead? Right. How is this possible? <laughs> but I interpreted literally. Wow. That is a really uh, good point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so for sure. You can't interpret it <laughs> according to your in lean on your own understanding. Yeah. Wow. You must go to the word of God to interpret scripture. That is really fascinating. Really fascinating. And, and there's this conversation. There's so, so much here. We've got about five minutes left, unfortunately. Oh, let me hurry. Okay, me go hurry. for it. <laughs> because this, this is the most important part. And, All right. and I am coming right to the end and there'll be room here. But um, in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, and they sang a new song saying, a new song, a new covenantal <laughs> song. This is exciting. It's a new hmm. song. Worthy are you to take the scrolls. Who's worthy? Jesus Christ is worthy. Mm. And to open its seals. Only he's worthy to open the seals. For you were slain by your blood. You ransomed people for mm. God. Yeah. From every tribe, in language, in people, in nation. Well, this is Israel, right? <laughs> no. Just Israel. This is not is. Yeah, this is just <laughs> Israel. Jesus died for all of us. Yeah. And you have made them a kingdom. Wait, the church is a kingdom? <laughs> mm. This is getting weird. <laughs> priests. Wait, the church is a bunch of priests? <laughs> Jesus made us a kingdom and a priest to our God. Mm. In the church, they shall reign on the earth. Mm. Wow. Wow. That's hearkening yeah. back to uh, Lord's Prayer language yeah sort of there Thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven yep so see we we're reigning today on this earth this is mm. the eschatology of victory yeah. where the um the great tribulation is behind us we're in the millennial reign of christ mm. he's ruling today on the throne of david in heaven and we are reigning with him in, I think it's first Corinthians. I, I wasn't going to say this. So I don't <laughs> have the verse. I, uh, the scriptures say we are in, with seated with him 
in heaven. Mm, well, yes. hey, we're here on earth. What's going on? <laughs> no, but we are to understand we are reigning with him and we are calling the nations to repentance and we're calling the nations to obedience. We're discipling mm. the nations. Yes. And we will, as long as we use the means of grace that the Lord has given to us. Mm. Wow. There's, there's another verse like that, that I, I've recently seen, and it was saying that we are heirs with Christ. Amen. Same, yes. same thing. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. all throughout the new Testament. We have a wonderful covenant that the Lord has given to us that has been given to us in his blood. Yeah. We can't help but to win. Mm, absolutely. And as our verse, which, you know, last week, our verse was that uh, Ephesians passage, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess this, this uh, uh, ultimate and, and, and far extending, you know, universality, essentially, universally, every tongue, every knee will bow. Yeah. This was a really good conversation. I know I got stuff out of it. How about you guys? <laughs> this was very good. Yeah, this was very, this was really great. Very good. And um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to chatting more. I think there's the the implications of this. I think we'll have to take a whole episode in the future just to talk about what the implications of this truly means, right? Um, but yes, like you said at the beginning, one of the biggest things is that. It is victory. It's our frame of mind. When we go out, and as Doug Wilson always says, Sunday morning, you get your marching orders for the next week, right? Like, we go out. What, what do we do throughout the week? What do we do Monday morning? What do we do? Is it the kingdom of God? Or is it, oh, I'll just try to get my heart right and just wait for Christ to come back. And that's about it. Maybe I'll tell a few people here or there if I can, but... Really, we're just waiting for Christ to come back. So there's not much I can do, you know? So I'll just kind of chill for a while and let this whole thing just ferment, basically. Um, <laughs> so, right. which is not at all. That's completely contrary to not just Matthew 24, but the entirety of scripture. So this was a really good conversation. I think one of the biggest takeaways was measuring the New Testament, measuring these sorts of confusing, head-scratching passages in light of the Old Testament, passages that have been fulfilled, there's similar language, we know what this actually means, and then the same language is used twice? Huh, I wonder if it means the same thing, right? <laughs> so this was a great conversation. Any finishing uh, final words before we wrap up? No, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, well, very cool. We, um, it's, it's a good conversation, but it's also a, a sad day, Joe. We, we're definitely going to miss you, man. And thank you so much for, for all the, all the good times and all the awesome content that you've helped us, uh, produce and, and research and, and study over the past nine months. So thank you for letting me be a part of our, for the opportunity to be part of the show. Mm, absolutely, man. All right, so we'll try not to cry for this last bit. <laughs> um, but uh, thank you all so, so much for, for joining us. Um, don't forget, go to trdshow.net. Follow us on um, as many platforms as you can. Don't forget, we were censored on YouTube. So follow us on Rumble. Follow us on a bunch of other places where you can get all of our content. Send us an email at uh, trdshow at protonmail.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you. And Joe's looking forward to some notes as well. But uh, until then, we will see you on Monday. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do as unto the Lord. <laughs>